Welcome to Mental Health Film Comment. This is Brian here with you. The 2013 documentary Alien Boy, which is on YouTube and Canopy through your public library, is a documentary about police brutality and the ineptitude in dealing with those with serious mental illness. Uh, joining us today to talk about many of the themes covered in the film is Rachel Levy, a social worker out of Portland and member of the group Rethinking Psychiatry. Uh, Rachel, thank you so much for being here today. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Um, now, I, I do want to mention um, a couple a couple. Uh, couple resources up front. If, if you're out there and, and hurting today and, and need to reach out to someone, there are um, a couple different crisis text lines. Uh, in the U.S., you can text HOME, H-O-M-E, to 741-741. In the U.K., you can text SHOUT, S-H-O-U-T, to 85258. Depending on where you are in the world, check your local listings. As I say, and I also did want to mention the um, Suicide Prevention Lifeline in the U.S., which is 1-800-273-8255 or 800-273-TALK. Uh, Rachel, thank you so much for being here today. Thank you. Oh, now, Alien Boy, it is a documentary. There are parts that are a little hard to watch. That's what probably be an understatement. <laughs> um, but what is, um, this was, I, from what I gathered from the film, it was a, a major news story in, in, in Portland from what I, from what's indicated in, in, in the film. Yes, um, I did not live in Portland at the time that it happened, but I did live, live in Portland by the time the film came out. It um, in 2006 was when, James Chassie was killed by police. He was actually the same age I am now, 42 years old, um, which even that that was it made it even more chilling. Um, so that happened in 2006, and then the movie Alien Boy came out in 2013. Right. One thing I, I, I mentioned um, briefly talked off, off mic about this is the 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 name of the film apparently is. Uh, taken from a song by the the wipers yes. uh, apparently based on some some correspondence that yes. they had had gotten from him yes. and there are some some other musical references mm -hmm. in the film which I, I i probably won't get into yes. for 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 fear of um getting getting off off track mm -hmm. but it, it really is a you know unfortunate um like textbook of how not to respond to those in mental distress. Absolutely. It, it, it really is. Now, the, the, the way the film was structured, at least from when I was watching it, it seemed like the, the first maybe half hour or so mm -hmm. tended to be about his upbringing and, and, and his background. Um, this is um, subject of, of the film uh, Jim Jim or uh, mm -hmm. James James uh, Chassie, but most everyone called him Jim Jim in in the film. Yeah. Um, and then the, the the but the the majority of the film though 
is re- recreating, you know, in many ways, literally recreating by, by, by way of, you know, court testimony and whatnot, um, his encounter with the, with the police, which did not um, go well at all yes Yes. to to put it mildly yes yeah i think the film i think it was a well-made film early on they they talk about um about james chassis early life and family and his involvement in the portland punk scene uh apparently that was something he was really passionate about and uh apparently uh, you know kurt cobain was a fan of their music uh so, and I, I have a coworker who's a little older who grew up in Portland who have fond memories of uh, seeing, of that being in that scene. Uh, so I think the movie did a good job of kind of establishing who this person was before um, moving on to his horrific and untimely death at the hands of police. Yeah, absolutely. And it, it, um... Isn't this one of the joys of podcasting when you draw a blank? Like, (laughs) I don't do any editing. So what what you're listening, you know, wherever you are listening to this podcast, this is live. Well, well, obviously it's live, but I mean, not not live for you Mm -hmm. listening since it's Mm -hmm. being recorded. But um, the the film, though, as far as, you know, live and and time, you know, timeliness is still unfortunately timely Mm -hmm. insofar as with a lot of what we've seen in the last year or so mm-hmm. in regards to um, misconduct in different yeah. police agencies, one of the things that has been part and parcel with that is the crisis intervention team, CIT or, yeah. or comparable um, units, which honestly, I am still conflicted about mm-hmm. because yeah. Anecdotally, at least, and I say anecdotally because I don't, I don't believe there have been any um, formal studies of this. It's mm-hmm. mostly anecdotal from what um, has been um, conveyed to me by um, different parties who, who work in the, in the system, is that police officers, by and large, they do not want to be responding to, uh, to, to, to calls where it's not, where, where there's no crime being done. Yes, it's not good for it's not good for anyone, including the police. That actually is mentioned in the film. Uh, Portland's uh, or Multnomah County, where Portland is located, um, our our crisis uh, service is known as Project Respond, and they say in the film that um, James Chassie basically had an alert through the county mental health where uh, Project Respond was supposed to be contacted if. Um, police were contacted about him because he was he was really struggling towards the end of his life uh, and that didn't happen the police did not contact project respond which is one of their the many many issues um, and a, a big issue with most crisis teams is that they usually require police involvement um, many many uh, if not most counties in the U.S. have some sort of crisis team but they very often will have a police officer come with them, um, which on some level I understand, but it also makes people understandably not want to uh, um, have any kind of involvement with a mobile crisis team. Um, and I should probably just kind of explain it for anyone who's not uh, not aware of what a mobile crisis team is. They're 
trained clinicians who will come to a scene if somebody calls either in calls a crisis line in a lot of distress or um, calls about somebody who's in a lot of distress. Sometimes they're dispatched through um, through crisis lines. Sometimes they're dispatched through police. Um, one issue is sometimes the system of how how to even contact them isn't always uh, very clear. Uh, but there, uh, I don't know of a lot of studies, but I know that there are a few studies. For example, Pierce County, Washington, which is a little bit outside of Seattle, has a pretty well-established uh, mobile crisis team. And I know that there was a big study showing that they had helped reduce rates of unnecessary hospitalization and um, showing some pretty good outcomes. Um, one place that also has a very well-regarded crisis team is Eugene, Oregon, which is south of Portland, a few hours south of Portland. Um, they have a program called CAHOOTS. The title, I'm not sure about the title, how I feel about the title, um, but it's an acronym. Uh, I know some people have joked about them like being in cahoots with the police, but the idea is yeah, that they're yeah. the idea is that they're actually yeah. not. Uh, the idea is that they have trained crisis workers who will go out without a police officer, uh, and their model is con they're considered kind of a model in the country. And I've heard of other places, even you know far away, uh, talking about uh, emulating their model. Correct. Now, now, speaking of models of um, treatment and, and recovery, et cetera, et cetera, um, I wanted to have um, to have you on, on the show uh, because I have been very, um, you know, impressed. <laughs> I guess that would be the right way of saying it um, with a lot of what I've been um, reading and, and, and studying about and, and hearing about uh, things like like Soteria and many of the programs affiliated with um, Rethinking Psychiatry. Um, and, I, and I also wanted to just interject before the inevitable objections or criticisms or whatnot. Um, at no point when we were speaking off mic and at no point, you know, when I've reached out to, to see if you'd be on the show, at no point was there ever any, um, even the slightest notion of giving anyone grief for their um, healthcare choices. So I just want, want to just clarify that up, up front that um, if I had any you know, doubts or whatnot that anybody with rethinking psychiatry mm -hmm. was in any way, shape, matter, or form giving people grief for their healthcare choices, you would not be on this, you would not exactly. be on this show. So I just I just wanted to clarify that up front for those who are, are listening. And exactly. Um, That's why we're called rethinking psychiatry yeah. and not like yeah. abolishing or banning, <laughs> you know. Um, yes, we we definitely believe in people's rights to make their own choices and and you know we're a we're an open organization. We have people from very varying backgrounds. We have, uh, you know, people who, we do have some people who don't believe in psychiatry at all, but then we have some people who are on psych beds and say they work for them and people who work within the system. So we're open to a variety of viewpoints and we believe in everyone's right to make informed choices for themselves. Yeah, and, and in my mind, I mean, well, not just my mind, but in, in reality, I mean, isn't the world big enough for various 
point exactly. of view, you know, having uh, a discussion with that's what exactly. living in a democratic society is supposed to be about. You bring ideas to the table and you talk about them and exactly you know, forward. Um, exactly. So and 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 I don't see how anyone could argue that the current mental health system is working great for people. And is I mean it's it's very clear that it's not effective for a lot of people for a wide variety of reasons so right. we believe in bringing about other choices and i know you did a um you did the episode on uh, uh the soteria house with voice hendrix who helped start the first one where you explain about that model and how that's that was really a groundbreaking model um, correct and, and not only that but uh for those who might have you know, heard about Soteria as well and, and might be, you know, preparing their criticisms about how, how, how mm -hmm. ignorant I am or how ignorant you are right. or, or whatever. Um, you, you make very, well, no, I mean, Rethink Psychiatry and, and Voice Hendricks make very clear mm -hmm. that they're not working with the 1970s definition mm -hmm. right. of what I think it was Dr. Mosher originally was working with, because that would be that would be stupid. I mean, we're in 2021. I mean, everything right. that was true, yeah. you know, and whatnot in the 1970s would mm -hmm. not be true today. And so, yeah. one of the things that, that that I really appreciated was that it was revised and it was updated, exactly. Exactly. and the basic um, core principles and, and core values mm -hmm. were left intact. Exactly. While updating a lot of the the details. Exactly. To, to, to 2021, um, you know, guidelines, if that makes exactly. sense. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, yes. And uh, there, uh, for people who don't know, I can just very briefly explain this. Definitely. Yeah. Could you? Yeah. The Soteria House was, it was, it's known as a therapeutic community residence for people who are going through what some would call psychosis, some would call extreme states. Um, and people in the program are not required to take medication. Um, and I believe in the original one, I, I don't believe anyone was on medication, if I remember correctly. Um, and it was, it was about, it wasn't about fixing the voices or trying to get rid of them, like with the medical model. It was very much about helping people work through their experiences and find meaning in their experiences, uh, and whether that was hearing voices or seeing visions, and not in a way that romanticized it or idealized it, but um, in a way that was about really helping and supporting people through what they were going through. And there was, a, there was a pretty rigorous study through the National Institutes of Mental Health who, um, that was, um, showed that Soteria had as good and often better outcomes than the medical model. Um, the first Soteria house was, was around through the 70s and early 80s. Uh, they eventually closed. There was a lot of resistance to the model, uh, unfortunately, even, the, even with good results. Um, and, but so that one, the one in California closed, there was one in Alaska for several years that's now closed. Uh, there, there is now one Soteria house in Vermont. That's the only one in the U.S. There are several in Europe and Israel. Uh, and for, from time to time, there are different webinars or, or lectures or whatnot yes. or workshops about Soteria that I will 
uh, see posted either on yes. Mad in America or other other sites. So there are there is um, you know ongoing discussion and awareness and yes. uh, raising the, the the profile of it. Definitely, definitely. And rethinking psychiatry recently had some people who had worked at the Soteria Alaska House speak, and we have. Yeah, um, actually, on June 20th, we'll have uh, some people from Soteria Israel talk. There are actually several Soteria houses in Israel. Um, so that will actually be up on our, our website soon, and we'll record the talk for people who are not able to attend. Do you think that um, the, the main reason for basically let me back up let me rephrase mm -hmm. the question i tend to believe that if we tell people you know what's the one thing we've all heard you're not alone which right. you know which i do want to emphasize is you know is true i mean if there are people mm -hmm. hurting right now and and mm -hmm. there might be people who you know, aren't even going to get out of bed today it's just not going to happen they might not right. you're taking a shower for you know, a week, you know. Mm -hmm. So for those people who are out there who who want, who need the reminder that you're not alone, I do want to emphasize you are not alone. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I do want to, you know, mention that because if we tell people you're not alone, but yet on the other hand, we give them a specific set of criteria of the help that is available or yeah. is not available, mm -hmm. then how is that not like disingenuous of playing lip service exactly. to, to them? Um, I, I know, like in Phoenix, where, where this podcast is recorded, mm -hmm. it would be awesome if there were a group like Rethinking Psychiatry in Phoenix. It would yeah. be awesome if there, and I, I think I, I, I'm pretty sure I speak for many other cities mm -hmm. in the U.S. as well when I say mm -hmm. this. I, I wish there could be a Soteria House here. Yes. And yeah. undoubtedly, though, a lot of for-profit uh, hospitals mm -hmm a lot of for-profit insurance companies mm -hmm. and lobbying groups, et cetera, et cetera, mm -hmm. will take offense at it. Yeah. We'll, we'll feel threatened by it. Very much so. I mean, we live in a society where someone, you know, the, the Tesla cars, the Tesla mm -hmm. brand, you cannot go to a Tesla dealership. I mean, this is true. This is actually true because many car dealerships and i believe this is true in all 50 states i'm not sure if how this i'm not sure if this is true outside of the us but in the us you cannot buy many cities will not allow a tesla dealership in their towns because a lot of auto dealerships they might have like a, a you know a, a lot of um, you know unavoidable pun a lot of uh you know toyotas or hyundais or or, or nissans and if, if, if Tesla comes into their town with all Teslas on the lot, that threatens the dealership model. And there's a lot, and, and so, so I mentioned that in, in the context of mental health, because in some way, many of the, the for-profit hospitals and a lot of the, the, the for-profit, you know, it's that same sort of feeling threatened by. And that's, that's something that we believe in rethinking psychiatry and addressing, uh, and I know Matt in America has done so much great work on that in mm -hmm. addressing the, you know, the fact that our, our system puts profits over people mm -hmm. uh, quite consistently and, and, you know, following the money and looking at where, you know, what is the profit motive for, um, you know, 
for perpetuating the system. Yeah, and and I had mentioned to, and I've had um, a lot of Benzo uh, folks on the show previously, mm -hmm. and undoubtedly will again in the future. Mm -hmm. uh, Benzos being, you know, shorthand for benzo diazepine. Yes. I never pronounced that correctly. I think that's like a, yes. tongue, tongue twister in a way, yes. uh, which is a class it's of- also hard uh, to spell, yes. Yeah, which is a, a class of medication that those who are listening may or may not mm -hmm. be on. But yes. I, one of the things that I've always made a point of mentioning uh, when I've had the, the guests on talking about that is when a lot of these for-profit uh, groups and businesses mm -hmm. decide that they're, they're going to feel threatened by talking about you know, tapering off, for example, or mm -hmm. um, which all, which always with, with the doctor's approval and knowledge. Mm -hmm. I just want, want to clarify that for those right. who might be um, thinking about that. Um, that by, by not taking that seriously mm -hmm. to the extent that, that I think, and, I, and I'm not sure if you agree, should be taken more seriously, mm -hmm. um, they're leaving a lot of money on the table. Yeah. Because Absolutely. that's money <laughs> that is mm -hmm. being spent yeah. elsewhere. Yes. Yes. You know what I mean? It's so it's so much money that's leaving on the table. Exactly. And in many cases, money that is going outside the U.S. in some cases, because mm -hmm. I know that there's um, a lot of activity in England where mm -hmm. some of my, when I've gotten booked, for example, a PCCS, I think out of uh, England, where they, they have the um, power thread meaning uh, framework mm -hmm. books. Mm -hmm. Those are not available on Amazon or eBay. So oh, I have to I have to order those directly mm -hmm. from this bookstore in England. So that's yeah. money going outside of my state, going outside of the country, right? Which is not a good thing for mm -hmm. for my state and, and my country if I'm right. if I'm sending money overseas right. and not having so so that's what I mean by that. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. There's a, just a lot of money being left on the table, right? Just right. so much, right? Absolutely, and. I mean, like it, it costs a lot of money for someone to be hospitalized yeah. or to be in inpatient treatment, to be in jail. And then that's not not what most people would choose. Um, in fact, the movie Alien Boy does, I, I think they address it a little bit. I kind of wish they had addressed it a, more, but um, I understand some of it was beyond the scope of the movie and you know maybe the people making the movie were coming from a different background but uh i i maybe i wish there had been maybe more criticism of the mainstream mental health which did not seem to be working well for for james chassie he was very much struggling um with with his mental health uh toward, especially towards the end um so um, I understand maybe that was beyond the scope of the um, of the film, but I know they did address some that you know he really wanted to live on his own. That was very important to him. He was trying very hard to live independently. Um, yeah, and that um, and 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 now that you mentioned that, that is, and I'm not spoiling anything when I mention mm -hmm. this because obviously mm -hmm. it's a you know a, a true story, and it's, right. I don't even know if a spoiler would even apply to a documentary yeah. where the right. um, outcome is known. But um, I mean, it's hard to think of a, a more um, actually it would not be hard to think of you know in, in this day and age, but <laughs> right. a, a very dehumanizing thing that the police did yes. when they on the police report. Mm -hmm. Even though, and, and the, the the movie made 
I don't know how many times they, they emphasized this about the mm -hmm. library where he had a library card which yeah. had his address on it and he had a place to live and the police report listed him as as a transient yes which yes. which number one is, is false if he had a place to live but number two dehumanizes those who are right exactly exactly so it was it's, offensive on multiple levels yeah it's i mean i mean does it get any more loose you know loose loose than that i mean it's right uh, yeah it, it's just wrong on so many levels because what is it because exactly. what then what does that say to those who are are, are homeless does it say exactly. to them oh you know you're just some transient exactly you know? so and there's yes yeah yeah, there's a long history with police of dehumanizing certain groups, you know, sex workers, home, homeless people, people with mental health uh, challenges, people of color, um, which was one thing I wish they had at least acknowledged uh, was, I wish they had at least acknowledged, uh, James Chassie, the person who was, was killed in this movie was white, but I wish they'd at least acknowledged how disproportionately that happens towards people of color and other marginalized groups. Um, I don't recall them even addressing that at all. Again, I can see if yeah, it was beyond it, the scope of the movie, but I think they could have correct. at least acknowledged it. Yeah, it may have been, uh, but you're correct. And it's something that I have uh, seen um, covered in, yes. um, in different um, news outlets and yes. whatnot. Um, yes. But I mean, because it, it does seem to be at least to me and possibly to you as well it does seem inconsistent that on mm -hmm. one hand a lot of the conventional um you know go-to's and and views about mental health mm -hmm. it seems to be like at a crisis mode and yeah. yet and yeah. yet if someone raises their hand and goes uh, guys you know can we mm -hmm. then that person can expect to be right you know attacked and criticized and and that's just exactly i don't understand that i mean exactly i mean do you do you understand i mean do you, can you make sense of that um well i think a lot <laughs> of it is uh, you know, there are so many reasons that people are struggling with their mental health, like, oh. you know, discrimination and income inequality yeah, and yeah. all of those things and uh, issues that I think a lot of people don't want to address. And, um, and of course, you know, our current mental health system is not working well. And I think it's true that it is often very crisis driven. Like, it's so hard, uh, you know, you hear about people on long waiting lists just to get in to see a therapist. Um, it's very hard to get into treatment um, and people might get more more attention if they are mm -hmm. in crisis uh, but then of course that attention is not necessarily a good thing and mm -hmm. there are times when it's actually deadly yeah absolutely and and that's why uh, you know one of the reasons why I wanted to have you on, on this show is because I know undoubtedly there are people who listen to the podcast and there might be you know a guest or two or three or four more right. who may sound like they're all saying the same thing and for those who you know it doesn't seem to be working for them mm -hmm. it can often seem you know patronizing or you know paying lip service or you know any number of different things and so i i think it's important to acknowledge that it, it's not working and there's a lot of people uh, out there who um i would imagine are very happy to hear you um mm -hmm. to hear you today on the yes. show 
and yes. very and undoubtedly I know this people are are gonna be very upset right. <laughs> that they dropped this show, which right. I've no, no control over. Exactly. But um, I know there are people who are gonna be very happy that um, that I've got you on on the show today. Yes. Because yes. if I can do, you know, some small part, you know, thing on, on my part to let people know that you know mm-hmm. you're not alone either. Right. Because that you know what I mean? Because if 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 people feel when you say you're not alone but they do feel alone then mm-hmm. what good is it saying that you know what I mean exactly exactly so, and I think our yeah. our American society's approach to mental health challenges is, yeah. is very isolating I don't yeah. I don't really love the term mental illness I know it's used in the mm-hmm. film yeah. um, and I know there are people have different views on whether <laughs> on even using the term mental illness but mm-hmm. uh, even the way it's treat it you know that that was part of why the soteria house was so groundbreaking was that it didn't view you know hearing voices or seeing seeing things or you know what we would label hallucinations as like something to be fixed or gotten rid of or something that you know had shame or stigma behind it it was viewed as something to work through and to make meaning of um, and it it wasn't viewed as this like bizarre shameful thing Um, yeah and also the thing i want to talk about also is that a lot of the conventional um you know mental health you know mental illness um etc um dialogue is that it tends to be very um eurocentric very um capitalist uh, driven, very uh, business. Exactly. I mean, it's it's big business, basically. Exactly. Um, I had um, if probably a couple of months ago, I had someone on the podcast who was approaching things from a family and caregivers perspective. Mm-hmm. Which mm-hmm. Uh, I'd love to have more of them on, to be honest with you. Yeah. But many of them take you know, they think I'm a horrible person and, and not. <laughs> um, I don't know why they would think that, I mean, right. but, um, but yeah, the, the, so I did have someone on who is approaching things from, from a family of and caregivers of perspective. And at one point she basically just said outright, well, what would you do to, you know, to fix this? And I told her outright, um, remove a lot of the money and bam, right there. <laughs> I, yes. mean, so, I mean, I mean, something as basic as mm-hmm. that, Right. And two completely, you know, two different areas of, of mental health, you know, me being, you know, on yeah. the, the first party mm-hmm. side of things. Yeah. And then someone who's on, a, you know, parents of and caregivers of side of things who, yes. um, two areas that don't traditionally see eye to eye. But exactly. then at that one moment, absolutely in 100% agreement mm-hmm. that there's just too much money in it. Absolutely. Too much business in it. And, absolutely. Um, and that's a, that's a, you know, if people can't pay for their meds and they can't right. pay for, you know, mm-hmm. their basic, you know, day-to-day expenses, right. that's undoubtedly where a lot of their, uh, d- you know, d- distress is going to come from. If someone Absolutely. has, um, is not feeling well, but they mm-hmm. have to work because if they don't, they'll get fired. Right. Um, that's a mental health issue as well. Yes. Yes. And I, I feel like a lot of the, like, you know, public awareness campaigns about mental health, uh, you know, as well meaning as they might be, mm-hmm. tend to really not address that at all, to not address the economic issues and how poverty and income inequality or how our, our capitalist system yeah. contribute to uh, 
to mental health struggles and suicidal thoughts and addiction. Um, and that also reminds me in uh, this, there's a study, there was a study done by the World Health Organization in, I believe, 2004. It's mentioned in the book Anatomy of an Epidemic by Robert Whitaker, which is a great book. And um, he is and the one who started the Mad, Mad in America, in America. Website, correct? Yes, he started Mad in no. America. Yes, I really admire him. Mm -hmm. um, but yes, this uh, study in 2004 by the World Health Organization uh, found, and I don't believe that this was what they were setting out to find at all, but they found that uh, people with symptoms of what would be called schizophrenia in the U.S. in you know, non-industrialized countries, um, I think in India, and I think, I think one of the countries was Nigeria. Um, it's been a while, I can't remember the other, but there were several non-industrialized countries where they did these studies of people who were exhibiting symptoms of what would be called schizophrenia here. And the really fascinating thing was they found that generally in those non-industrialized countries, uh, the people who were exhibiting that behavior ended up having better outcomes. They, you know, when they followed them down the road, they were less likely to be thinking of suicide or self-harming or to be physically violent. They were doing better at, you know, being a part of their community. Just overall, they had much better outcomes. And the study was basically ignored. Most people don't know about it at all, but that really says something. We, you know, we like to think that the U.S., you know, we like, you know, the U.S. likes to think that what we do is always the best, which is often not the case. And exactly. it was very clear that there, and there could be all sorts of reasons that people in those countries have better outcomes, but that's something we should have looked at rather than ignoring that study. Oh, absolutely. Um, now, speaking of which, as we, as we wind down, um, and we're going to be just a few minutes left, um, I did want to ask you, um, number one, um, how would people find out more about um, rethinking psychiatry? Uh, yeah, you can go to our website, rethinkingpsychiatry.org. Oh, okay. um, and there's also a link to our YouTube channel, which has recordings of some of our our talks. Um, one of the few silver linings about uh, the pandemic is that now our meetings are online. We used to meet in Portland, but now our meetings are online and will be for the foreseeable future so people can join from anywhere in the world. Um, and the information about our um, June 20th event will be on the website shortly. I don't believe it is yet. Okay, cool. And, and then number two, I wanted to ask you, um, how would people go about, like if they did want to, you know, take up the mantle, so to speak, of uh, mm -hmm. the work about soteria and, mm -hmm. and a lot of the work that Re Rethinking Psychiatry is doing, what would be the, the, the best way to, to go about that if someone wanted to have greater representation of that view in, in, in their town? Um, yes, you can actually email us at rethinkingpsychiatry at gmail.com. Um, we're actually, there's actually been kind of renewed interest from people uh, who follow us from all over the country and other parts of the world in potentially starting a Soteria house or something similar um, in their, uh, where they live. So um, we're actually planning on doing a summit about it. Um, if that's something cool. you're interested in, you can email us at rethinkingpsychiatry at gmail.org. Okay, cool, cool. And um, I did want to mention a few more resources for everyone out there. Um, mm -hmm. I know that there are, um, 
groups out there, like I know Mental Health America, MHA National dot org, uh, NAMI, National Alliance on Mental Illness, NAMI.org, uh, MadInAmerica.com. I know you mentioned um, mm-hmm. that. I'm not sure if it was on mic or off mic, but um, MadInAmerica.com, people have, mm-hmm. have mentioned. Um, and then also mm-hmm. RethinkingPsychiatry.org. Um, Correct. Mentioned. Yeah. So lots lots of good info um, mm-hmm. today. A lot, lot of good info. And and, um, and you mentioned uh, Canopy also. Um, yes. That is a site not too many it's a good website that too many people know about and it's mm-hmm. as long as you have a library card um mm-hmm. you can be on canopy and i think that the movie is also on youtube um, yes as well yes i watched mm-hmm. it on canopy it's definitely worth watching it's hard to watch it's heartbreaking um so many things could have been done differently and um, yeah, really, the main focus of the movie is on the police conduct as a or misconduct, um, but also, but it also does address a lot of what was going on with with um, James Chassie's mental health. Um, like I said, I I kind of wish the movie had maybe brought up alternatives. You know, I don't know if. I don't know if the outcome would have been any different if if yeah. this person had gone been had you know other options available to him, and certainly the you know the police behavior was really the main focus of the movie. But I think that's also an interesting question to think about. Yeah, a lot, lot, lots of food for thought. Exactly. Exactly. So, so um, Rachel, thank you so much for being here thank today. You. I, I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you for doing this work and oh, for bringing other voices out there. Absolutely. Happy to, happy to, to do, do my part to um, yes. get the dialogue going. So, yes. um, so thanks again, um, those of you at home or at work, wherever you may be. Um, stay safe, everyone. And yes. uh, talk to you next time. Uh, yes. Thank you very much. Thanks. Take care. <laughs>